all about challenging myself. Challenging myself to try new things, face things that are difficult and take them on. Recently, I just started working with a personal trainer to try and really improve my physical and mental health through exercise, specifically by doing some weight training, something that I don't love to do, but I am challenging myself to face this obstacle and see it as an opportunity to grow and improve myself. Well, I'm also challenging myself by having this next episode be in the realm of what you might call self-care. Those who know me, my friends know that I tend to kind of like get grossed out by that term self-care. It bothers me. It bugs me, partly because I feel like it's an overused cliched buzzword. So I just kind of get a little bit turned off by things that feel a little bit too, you know, part of everyday common lingo. Maybe it's the rebel in me, who knows? Also, I think it's my brain sometimes associates it with something that feels somewhat kind of superficial in nature. When people are using self-care, sometimes they are talking about that in that way. Like, oh, self-care, it's about getting pedicures and massages. And while that might be something that someone does to take care of themselves, it's not necessarily what people in the coaching world or mental health world refer to when they talk about self-care. They're usually talking about something, a practice that can promote genuine well-being. And I'm all about that. I'm not anti things that will improve someone's emotional or physical well-being. So I decided to face the monster that is something that could be associated with self-care and have that be the topic of this episode because I know it will help me and it will help all of you, particularly when it comes to emotional regulation. Nothing like parenting to challenge just how emotionally regulated you can be in the face of challenging circumstances like kids and complex kids most especially. So listen into this episode. I think you'll find it just as interesting and beneficial as I did. This is Certified Parent Coach Bevan Walters, and this is a 3D Parent Podcast. Hello and welcome to the 3D Parent. This is episode number 91, Emotional Regulation Through Mindfulness Practices with guest Aparna Ben-Katraman. I'm going to start off by letting you know a bit about my wonderful guest. Aparna is the founder of Beauty in Parenting and is a worldwide parent coach, meditation breathwork teacher, motivational speaker, and wellness advocate for doTERRA essential oils. Aparna has 20 years of experience connecting with thousands of families in schools, children's hospitals, and nonprofit organizations since her teens. With her approachable nature, strong intuition, and problem-solving skills, she guides parents of babies, toddlers, and teens, couples, and extended family to empower themselves and build healthy relationships with one another through effective communication, creating boundaries, self-care, confidence building, and lighthearted mindfulness techniques. Welcome to the podcast, Aparna. Thank you for having me, Bevan. Really happy to be here. All right. So we have a really great topic in store for you listeners today, and it's largely going to focus on you, the parent. And with my 3D parent model, 
It is a four-part model, and one of those parts is my one P in the 3D parent model, which is the P of grounded parenting. And today we're going to be talking about things that have to do with parents who sometimes feel emotionally dysregulated or trying to promote and guide their children towards emotional regulation. And Aparna is here to give us some real wonderful strategies, specifically some techniques like deep breathing, meditation, and share with us how they can offer a tremendous benefit both to parents and kids. For me personally, this is a topic I have just started talking about more frequently in my parent coaching and my teaching. And honestly, it's because this is an area of greatest struggle for me personally. Emotional regulation is something that is hard for me based on just who I am, my unique wiring, and the fact that I have four kids, four kids who all are different levels of complexity. There's ADHD, anxiety, there is big personalities and sometimes big emotions. And so keeping my own emotional regulation working for me when it already is something I struggle with personally has been a great challenge for me as a parent. But I'm on a journey and my the parents I work with are on similar journeys. So I thought it'd be really, really helpful to bring in an expert in the area to kind of add to what I already share with my clients in the lines of some guided mindfulness practices and breathing techniques. Aparna is going to give us even more to draw from and to help us when we are struggling with anxious moments or frustrated moments personally and when parenting our kids. So I'm so eager to hear more from you, Aparna, today, more than I already know from knowing you personally in the parent coaching world. Could you start off by sharing with us a bit about your story and how you came to do the work that you do? Yeah, so thank you. So my story is, is a pretty complex one. I'm someone who was born as a very premature baby. Mm-hmm. Actually, I spent a lot of time, maybe six months, separated from my family. And I, I went on to experience a lot of anxiety and a lot of depression in my childhood. I didn't have the emotional closeness or the physical closeness that I wanted to when I, with my mother especially. And I was just a really sensitive human. And I didn't come to recognize until later on in life that 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 made a huge difference in who I was and was just a powerful gift for me to have that awareness of myself. And so I went through a life and I ended up studying psychology in in high school and in college. Uh, I studied child development. I loved learning about families and why, why they tick. And I think a lot of that was because growing up, I I had a childhood that was full of a lot of stress, a lot of yelling, a lot of um, punishment and discipline from my parents, a lot of comparison and not as much closeness with my my older brother as well, too. And so I, I had a lot of periods where I felt lonely and isolated. I felt different from other people. I didn't have that as much of a cultural connection as I wanted to in life with my Indian community. And I had some learning issues as well, too. I had some focus issues. So after studying psychology, I went on to work with children who had autism. 
I went on to work in children's hospitals with cancer patients and families. And I did a lot of work in a lot of nonprofits like the Boys and Girls Club with after-school children of all ages. And I worked in child advocacy centers with children who had been abused. And so I really cared a lot about protecting the family. And my last nine to five job was as a toddler teacher in multiple states, actually. That was where I really had got to see the joy of supporting children and meeting other teachers and getting to see children walk and talk for the first time, getting to help them understand emotions and feel what they're feeling and get to understand behaviors and why things happen and care a lot about self-care with parents. And so through doing all that, I really got to better understand what emotions were, which is something I couldn't pinpoint as a child because I was feeling so many emotions in my life of unworthiness, of anxiousness, of a lack of purpose. And it wasn't until about seven, eight years ago, I went through a time of transition where I uh, lost my grandmother at the age of 89. And I also was living elsewhere at the time with my nine to five job and my home had flooded too one summer. And also I, I left a toxic relationship I was in that wasn't serving me. And I think that was a huge year for me, 2016, to make a big shift in my life. And so I created Beauty and Parenting after that because I wanted to continue to support families worldwide. And I wanted to just be there for them and helping them, connecting with their moms, connecting with their children especially, but for families to feel that wholehearted sense of connection that I didn't get to. So there's the gist of all that too. It's a beautiful story and and I'm glad it worked out the way that it did. That is a beautiful story. And I love the name of your company, Beautiful Beauty and Parenting, because it really encompasses that. I want families to see and feel the beauty in parenting. Yeah. Too. I've had some people come to me and look at beauty and parenting and wonder if it's a beauty company and it's not. Unfortunately, I don't (laughs) have beauty products to sell you. But I do it to help, you know, after working with a lot of moms and parents, I do, they do feel that sense of heart-centered connection. They do feel, and understand that beauty and they see their children and their partners. I love this so much. They see their children and their family in a completely different lens and in a much more loving lens too. And that's my aim and that's my goal as a coach and as a teacher. Well, that is beautiful indeed. <laughs> so tell me, Aparna, why did you choose to support moms specifically with your company? I mean, you were working primarily with children up mm-hmm. until more recently, and then yeah. you made this, this pivot and decided to support moms. Why did you choose that? Yeah, I, I grew up, as I said, not having that great connection with my mom. We fought a lot and we went through a lot of emotions, especially in my teen years, of course. And we just didn't always see eye to eye. And I think it was hard for me being the only daughter as well, too, and also not having a great connection with my sibling to go through that. And so that sense of nurturing and caring wasn't really felt within me and through that connection with my mother. And I really saw, especially as a toddler teacher, I got to know a lot of moms and I really began to see the effects of of the connection or the disconnection that parents had with their kids too and how that would affect their behavior and their development and their learning and their stress levels too. And so it just really dawned on me that, you know, moms, I think 
they take on a lot. They have a lot of roles to take on in the development of their children. They take on a lot of people-pleasing tendencies, and they don't always know how to ask for their needs. And so in my coaching, we work specifically on identifying your needs right now and your core values and your priorities so that you can communicate that best. But that's really something that has been really healing for me to focus on. And my relationship with my mom is really beautiful right now. And it's on its journey and to be able to better understand her and for her to better understand me and to see me be able to give that back to the world too. It's been really beautiful. That's lovely. Do you work with dads too sometimes? I do sometimes work with dads. I love, I do obviously see a lot of dads in my career. I do work with dads from time to time if it aligns. They they come to me and they need support on how to help their children, how to help their partner. And sometimes they want to ask for their needs too and how to communicate better. And so I do that as well. That's great. And yeah, I saw from your your bio that you work with whole family systems too. So yes. that would include all parents and the kids. So now I'd like to shift and ask you specifically about mindfulness and what that is. What is mindfulness in your description and how you think about mindfulness? And how did you get into mindfulness specifically when working with your clients? Yeah, I so I got into a mindfulness practice when I was about 1920 in college. I took yoga for a couple of years and I really loved it and I really loved that feeling um, of calm that came over me, that feeling of presence. And also being in community too. I took it during a particularly difficult semester, maybe my second to third year. And mindfulness for me is really having that heart-centered awareness, that sense of presence to being in the moment. Being in the moment of connecting with my family, of what I'm doing, of where I'm at in life. And the more I'm tuned into that, the less worries come, the less I feel, you know, dread for my day or stress for my day. So I have a reminder on my phone every morning and you can do this whenever you need to, but just to take five or 10 deep breaths. And it really, I, I tell you, it, it's a, it's a practice of really having your mind and your body become aware of the times when you need to feel that sense of calm before you become burnout. That's a really awesome tip. You're already giving us a strategy to implement into our daily lives that it seems so simple. But I I know through personal experience, but not a lot of follow through and consistency Mm -hmm. for me personally. But when I do things like very simple and quick and easy mindfulness practice, like just five or 10 deep breaths, yeah. Man, does it really change the way that I feel in my body, my over like the the feeling yeah. of calm and peace just kind of comes and it changes our perspective and our right. for sure. And so it's this is why I specialize in. I love um meeting parents where they're at and just not adding to their stress in my coaching or in, in my sessions and just seeing how they can just integrate you know, very practical, shorter, more effective things in their daily lives right now. I think we all just need that. Yeah, that's true. Okay, so you've helped us understand a little bit about mindfulness in general, which is kind of like a more broad um, concept or category. And now help us understand the difference between meditation and deep breathing or breath work. Yeah, so I specialize in both meditation and deep breathing. That's what I was trained in. And 
Meditation is a, a practice that I created about for myself about seven, eight years ago during this time of transition. And it's a wonderful way for, like I said, your mind and your body to learn the ways that you can relax and the ways that you are tensing up in life. Honestly, your triggers are quote unquote and what's causing you to feel that sense of stress. And when you do this with your child it, and you come to understand and notice that it's just a really beautiful thing. So when we talk about regulation, emotional regulation, we're talking about the awareness of what an emotion is or what you're feeling. And that can be naming it. That can be talking through it. That could be journaling it out or that could be sitting with it, which is generally what meditation is, sitting with it or laying with it. And there's no, it's not something where as a meditation teacher, I become this perfect, peaceful person, which I think is is the the myth of what people feel that they have to look a certain way and it has to be, you know, with yoga, yoga mat or meditation cushion or, you know, or you have to have an environment that looks really pretty and nice. And it doesn't have to be like that. It's more for you as well, too. And so meditation is just a beautiful practice of being able to sit with and observe what's coming up for you life, what thoughts, what emotions, and how you can um, observe those and, and let things go as well, traditionally. Deep breathing and breathwork is a beautiful practice. I've had a lot of breathwork clients lately, and this is a nice way to, sometimes if you're having some stuck emotions or something's coming up for you, or you're going through something with your health or trauma or grief, uh, it's a beautiful way to practice just you know, increasing your lung capacity, increasing what you can take in. And pranayama is with your breath, it's the flow of life. So how you're able to flow more in life and how you're able to release those things that are coming up too. So that's just the difference between meditation and breath work and deep breathing. Got it. Is a way of thinking about it like meditation is more a practice that is more about stillness and then the deep breathing or breath work is more of a practice that's more like activated or active. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You're being a little bit more conscious and proactive with deep breathing about what's coming up for you and how you want to let that go versus the stillness of, of connecting more to yourself in meditation. That's a great analogy. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah, the meditation is, that's, it's tricky, especially for someone like me that has a very busy brain. Uh, yeah. But that just means I need more practice, right? <laughs> and give myself grace for it being challenging. Absolutely. No. The, the deep breathing practices, it's like, okay, I, I can do something. I'm, I'm activated. Mm -hmm. That mm -hmm. for me has been more successful. But again, I could use a lot more practice. I, I yeah. see that a lot, especially with clients I've had who have ADHD or focus issues, that breathwork has been really helpful because it's an actual, like I said, a more proactive, active tool that they can mm -hmm. use over the stillness. It is, it has taken a longer time sometimes to develop a meditation practice over a breathwork practice, I will say. People are, I find that clients, it's, it's easier for them to actually get into a breathwork practice. Hey there, parents. If you're raising complex kids and navigating the unique challenges that come with it, I've got something special just for you. The 3D Parent Village, your go-to parenting membership community. The 3D Parent Village is not just a membership. It's a supportive community where you can connect with other families who understand the joys and struggles of raising similarly wired children. 
Hi, I'm Devin Walters, the OG 3D parent and your guide in this parenting journey. Join me in the 3D Parent Village and let's tackle the challenges together. Inside the village, you'll find access to parent education, group coaching, and an ever-expanding resource library, all rooted in my unique 3D Parent approach. We focus on parenting with dignity, direction, and deep connection. But wait, there is more! With your Village membership, you'll also get exclusive access to the 3D Parent On-The-Go program. Imagine having a direct line to your own trusted parenting coach right in your pocket. Well, that's what the 3D Parent On-The-Go program provides private, personalized, one-on-one parenting support with me through a convenient app. It's like having a parenting coach at your fingertips whenever you need it. So if you're ready to experience a decrease in isolation, frustration, and overwhelm, follow the link in the show notes to get all the details and sign up for the 3D Parent Village. They say it takes a village to raise a child. Never was that saying more true than when parenting a spicy, spirited, outside-the-box child. Come join us in the 3D Parent Village. We've saved a spot just for you. So highlight for us now, Parna, some of the benefits of having a mindfulness practice. What will people receive if they commit to having a practice, creating a practice, how that might benefit them and their families specifically? I will say it'll it'll create a huge ripple effect for you and and your environment. So for me personally, it created more calm in my mind and in my body. I wasn't stressed out as much. I wasn't yelling and reacting to family or to things that came up for me, any setbacks as much. I was able to just accept it more, honestly. And like I said, just observe it and be like, okay, this is, you know, this is coming up. It'll help you have more grace and compassion for yourself. I think too, it'll help you, especially if you're someone who's going through a lot of loneliness or isolation or just a relationship start working out in life in whatever form. It'll help you to have that greater sense of compassion and, and grace for others and that yearning to want to connect with others too. It'll help you to obviously, like we talked about, work on your emotions, name them work through them and it'll help you to not have to not see as many tantrums or meltdowns in life whether you've got young ones or you've got teens or older children too and I I I will say I grew up with you know I grew up with my sibling as well too and he was someone who went through a lot of those reactive emotions as well too and I've seen over time he's a much calmer more grounded person as well too because he's taken that time to practice his own sense of self-care as well. So in creating these self-care practices, we are not only connecting to things like nature and other people and having fun, but we're, we're connecting to what our true needs are, our inner child needs as well too. Sometimes that's a hug. Sometimes that's connecting to others. Sometimes that's more playtime, but it's, it's just, yeah, it's just a beautiful way to understand what's going on for us too. And so as a parent, when you're being really mindful, I had a client, I think last summer, who was going through a lot with her child. The child was younger and maybe about like five or six and going through a lot of anxiety with school and his peers and the transition of doing that from preschool to, to kindergarten. And 
we worked on how they could create a, even using their hand, this is a really fun practical tip, how they can trace along the fingers of their hand and they could practice deep breathing as well in that moment too. And then the, the child could use art and could trace and color and do that. And the more that they did that, the more that the mom did that with the child, they practiced having that connection time, that regulation time that we're talking about was co-regulating together. But it became something that was easy for the child to be able to do and to connect back to their, their body instead of being in their minds and feeling that big anxiety and that was always coming up for them. They, they shifted into something new that was more beneficial. For them. Yeah. yeah, I have found that to be really, really helpful with some of my own kids that struggle with anxiety. Once I've been able to kind of talk them through and it, there's still in a stage where it somewhat requires my help in terms yeah. of that co-regulation. And it's not only beneficial to kind of walk through some type of a breathing exercise or a visualization mm -hmm. with mm -hmm. them, but it also becomes another point of connection and bonding between parent yeah. and child. We feel so connected after I've helped one of my kids kind of work through a period of mm -hmm. increased anxiety. And we've yeah. done something like you suggested, something similar to that. It has really helped my kids afterwards feel like, oh my gosh, they can count on me to help them to co-regulate. Mm -hmm. The, the breathing that we worked through together, the exercise we did together was beneficial in and of itself. Both ways. Also, yeah. Yes, but also in connecting with me while doing it, they're also benefiting from that kind of like osmosis effect that right. like, like kind of benefiting from my regulated emotions in that moment. Mm -hmm. It kind of helps mm -hmm. to regulate them. Hence, you know, right. regulation. And it, it, creates, <laughs> it creates that sense of that trust and and in the relationship, which is, which I think is what I was talking about with mindfulness and the benefits of connecting to others. You're building that trust, um, that confidence within yourself and others too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the population of parents and kids that I tend to work with a lot in my membership community and my parent coaching practice, I've kind of given them kind of a, a broad category of complex kids. And that encompasses kids who are highly sensitive and kind of more intense mm -hmm. in nature, the, you know, big expressors of emotion, the deep feelers. Some of these kids have ADHD. Some of them nice. have autism. Some of them have sensory processing or learning differences. And so we're dealing with a, a brain that oftentimes is neurodiverse or yeah. differently wired and frequently yeah their parents are similar and they sometimes don't even recognize mm -hmm. that till we start working together. And they're like, wow, this is like me too. They recognize that their child's expression of big emotions mm -hmm. is really, really overwhelming to them and their nervous system. Yeah. And so they're dealing with a child who's obviously flooded and overwhelmed. And then they themselves, in response, they become flooded and overwhelmed. Yeah. And I could see how Really, really focusing on create, you know, again, we're talking about grounded parenting here mm -hmm. in terms of the 3D parent model, how really taking a look at mindfulness and these practices could have a profound effect on the parent and the child and the child's healthy development and the mm -hmm. parent's personal development just right. as a human, but just also as a just parent. Yeah, to be, I love that you said that, just to better know yourself. And so when all these emotions and things are coming up, I think as a parent, just recognizing how you're wired and how your child is wired and 
and having having these little practices that can help them honestly to create your toolbox so whatever comes up in life that's going to help them for decades and you as well too to manage things awesome well you're speaking about toolbox but one of the things that most commonly is a challenge for parents of complex kids is Mm -hmm. being able to regulate their own nervous systems their own like reactivity in the moment of heightened emotion something that's frustrating for them could you give us any tools that could help a parent who struggles with their own emotional regulation and not becoming reactive in that moment i will i will say that what has helped me is a couple things sometimes it's having a sensory object like a stress ball i know i've worked with a lot of clients who are similar and they need sometimes that object or that thing, just like a child has a pacifier or a bottle or a toy. But we, you know, sometimes we need those objects. And so I I support others in essential oils and aromatherapy, she mentioned with my bio at the beginning. And sometimes it's it's something that you physically hands-on can have too, as well to help you. Obviously, you know, placing a hand on your heart, I love doing that when I'm doing deep breathing, especially, it helps me to connect to myself and to my being and, and who I am in the moment. Sometimes taking a step back and and talking, you know, telling your child, you know, hey, I'm going to take a moment. I'm going to take a minute for some space. I need some space. I heard that a lot as a toddler teacher about how we could set those boundaries, those healthy boundaries of I need space or I need a couple of minutes with this toy or when I'm done, you know. Mm-hmm. This will happen. And so sometimes just remembering when you're in the midst of, you know, this is really stressing me out that you can lean back. You can physically lean back and say, you know what? I'm going to take a moment for myself and this is what I need right now. And then we can continue the conversation. I think we need that. And it's been really, really profound. In, even with my own family of those times when we want to react to each other, but Sometimes making eye contact helps and sometimes, you know, walking away does that too. Sure. It's a good reminder for parents. Sometimes parents feel like they have to be present at all times. They Mm -hmm. have to have a response ready right then and there. Mm -hmm. And that probably increases the anxiety for the parent. I know it does (laughs) because they're feeling like, oh my gosh, I can't even think right now because I'm getting overwhelmed. So maybe just recognizing that you have permission to set your personal boundaries yeah. so that you have that that pause necessary to be able to mm-hmm. respond in line with your intentions and not become reactive and do something that might be harmful to your relationship with your child. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of times, especially in this winter time that we're in, we families are just used to having that time of day where they're going to argue, having that time of day where it's stressful having those mealtimes that aren't easy or having that child in that family who doesn't want to make as much eye contact with you, who tends to puff up or who tends to walk away and tends to become emotional. And I think that, that I think learning to just recognize when that's happening and, and what's coming up is easier to do when you have that space, really. Yeah, it's a good reminder for sure. So are there any do's and don'ts when it comes to mindfulness practices, like how often one should do one, how long, what time during the day is it most <laughs> beneficial? Tell us how to set ourselves up for 
successive. We're trying to get a mindfulness practice off the ground started. We don't have necessarily a practice that we are committed to yet. I feel like I just talked about this with something else, just entirely the specific question. So this is a a big one on the top of my mind. I will say first and foremost to, I I love helping families to create some sort of a calm order. That's a huge thing for me. I think that can be something that's like, whether it's in your car or in your your bathroom or a corner of your house, it could be, I know I find clients who are like, my bed is now my calm corner. It's the space where where I feel most most at peace, most comfortable too. And so finding a place for you, it could be also like your backyard or in nature or an actual place as well. But your bathroom. I, I feel like your bathroom. bathroom. <laughs> it's like a vein <laughs> your, or your closet. <laughs> I know people that have meditation spots set up in a closet that is yeah, tiny. Closet. <laughs> right. And and see, sometimes we need that, that closed off space too. But I think, you know, traditionally when we talk about quorum quarters, we talk about them for like toddlers and young ones where they have a little space with books and like a couch and some blankets and like some posters on the wall that may, you know, talk about emotions and like what's coming up for them. And it's their time in place as, as opposed to a timeout place, right? Where we're dealing with, you know, punishment and discipline, things like that. So I advocate for a time in place where it's a tune in place for you. Where you can just sit there and be like, okay, this is what I'm feeling. And this is what, you know, this is what comes next. Or this is the, the breath that I want to take or the way I want to calm myself down. I regulate myself too. And so if you have a child who's going through a meltdown or is overstimulated, this is a great way to, I encourage parents to create that great calm quarter for themselves. Also with their child, if the child wants to have a place where they, they have a sense of peace. They have somewhere to go that feels like a sense of peace and calm and familiarity. That's for them. Yeah. Got it. My daughter, my youngest, her classroom last year was a first, second grade blend. They had what they called the peace place. And it was kind of mm-hmm. what you're talking about there. And it's a place that a child could choose to go if they were feeling a little overwhelmed or struggling yeah. and they could use it whenever they wanted. Full autonomy with like noise counseling headphones and yeah, yeah. books yeah. without words only, which I thought was a, a nice, interesting tip because... You uh, know, like picture, first, picture books? Yes, but with only pictures, no words, because, mm-hmm. you know, we're first and second graders. This is a place for them to find calm. And for some of them, reading yeah. might be frustrating. And so I know. it's just yeah. pictures, just pictures. And then of That's course, really some great. sensory yeah. objects and things like that. And I I liked that. It's interesting because sometimes parents will ask me about the calm corners as like a a strategy when their child is really, really dysregulated, maybe exploding with emotions. And I oftentimes am like, yeah, your child's not going to like know to go there or follow direction to go there, but does not mean Mm -hmm. that there cannot be a space in the home where you go with your child in those moments that starts to become a place where they feel calmer. They may eventually choose it themselves, but Yes. Sometimes I think parents are looking for just like, oh, the magic. I'm going to find I'm, the right posters on the wall and, the, you know, and spend a bunch of money. I'm like, yeah, oh, no, it's not a perfect thing. Like we talked about with meditation, it's not a perfect thing. And so that's, that's you know, that's what I'm, I'm meaning with all these these tips is that, you know, 
it can be, you know, 30 seconds a day. It can be up, you know, it can be like 30 minutes a day if you have that time. And it, you know, you can do it, you know, after a long drive. I know some parents practice mindfulness after their work drive or after a commute sitting in their driveway, just being like, I need this time for me before I go in the house and have, a, you know, have so many things to do. And um, finding that, you know, finding that with your child is, is a really powerful thing. And so, again, setting a reminder on your phone, if you can, of I, I think it's just a way for your mind and body to be like, okay, this is part of my to-do list, but it's, an, it's a good, healthy part of my to-do list to do this too. So, you know, wearing what you want to wear that feels most comfortable to you, being in the places that will help you to, you know, to remember that this is a, a place where I can go to. It's okay to take this time for me without much of a sense of guilt or shame. And that's going to come up. You're going to have days where you're like, I'm so busy. I don't have this time. But really, when you recognize that taking that little moment for yourself helps you to recharge and have that continued energy for yourself or helps you to go to bed and, and create that, that deeper sleep that you need. That'll be really helpful for you. That's great. So kind of it sounds like first thing in the morning before bed mm -hmm. and then at a point during the day, it sounds like your recommendation and I've had a similar recommendation for parents who have, you know, busy work days and they mm -hmm. come into the home and immediately it's like, oh my gosh, they're just overwhelmed with their mm -hmm. children, their needs, and they've been separated yeah. all day. And of course their children are just so, so seeking that connection. Yeah. But sometimes really struggle that point of transition. Mm -hmm. So just building in you know, it doesn't take much more in putting aside the guilt of like, I've been away from my child all day and now I'm going to take some time for myself in the car before walking through the door. No, Having a do not disturb though. sign. Yeah. Having a do not disturb sign. Something I find as a child growing up on my door and we used it. I think it's totally fine to do that as well too, to have those boundaries. I, I know I've helped clients who got those noise canceling headphones while they were working from home and and just had that do not disturb sign and help their child to remember they could do that. And the child then learned that, hey, I can ask for space or alone time or quiet time for me too. Right. That's really important. And I think the main thing, it's like the guilt a parent might be feeling if they focus yeah. instead on, gosh, how this might benefit them and mm -hmm. how they're actually going to be that much more available and present <laughs> to their child and connecting with their child if they take that little bit of time built in. Yeah, that's a great motivator, you know, not to be like, oh, I just need to get to my kids right away. And then the right. child's going to get this like stressed or to out a partner or to my partner right away, honestly. Too, right, right. Couples, right. We both work with couples, but just just to, you know, set those healthy boundaries, too, of like, you know, when do I need that connection time and, you know, how to communicate as well, too. That, sure. You know, you need that time. Yeah. OK, I'm excited for this part of <laughs> our interview right now. I would love for you to share with us a few deep breathing techniques for anxiety, mental focus, sleep. Share with us some of your techniques that we can start putting into practice. Yeah. So I'll share a, a fun one for deep breathing when you are feeling, this is actually one for when you're feeling angry and frustrated. I think this is a really helpful one too. I love the visualization of holding a a dandelion or holding some bubbles, holding a wand with some bubbles on it. And I learned this as a toddler teacher, and I would see this often that when children are, are tense or when we're going through something, sometimes we need that release. And so, you know, taking that moment, sometimes placing one hand on your heart if you need to and 
closing your eyes if you can and don't do this while don't do any of these please while you're driving um, but at a separate time too when you can close your eyes and just have that visualization of holding a dandelion or something that you can take that inhale for four seconds lower your voice one two feeling your breath and your belly and your chest expand three and four and then making this whistle sound with your mouth as you blow away the dandelion or the bubbles. And even if you have like a cup of coffee or something hot in front of you and you're wanting to just cool down, just taking that moment. Because when we are angry and frustrated, we've got a lot of pent up emotion coming up within us, within our chest. We want to let it out. And counting backwards from five, four, three, two, and one helps us to release it in a, in a softer, healthier way. So that's just a quick one. I, I love that visualization because we associate, you know, blowing dandelion flowers and bubbles as a happy thing. And so it ends in, in a happier way. And so when parents and children have that visualization, it helps them to, to you know, feel that inner child that we're talking about, that childlike sense of relief that we can have too. Yeah. And I, I loved, I love the, the different varieties. So the dandelion or the, the bubbles, like the bubble wand, yep. but that definitely it, it like evokes this, this feeling of happiness and joy. And then right. I also liked the idea of like blowing like a mug of hot coffee or mm -hmm. cocoa or tea for me that kind of feels very like cozy and yeah. almost a little bit more like calm so i could see how just right different visualization given like the moment and what you're seeking um to yeah. replenish within yourself could really have an impact in conjunction with the breathing yeah. so you see that even within that minute you're creating that that sense of calm within you but that calm environment for yourself too and so for mental focus, I love to kind of just rub my palms together mm -hmm. um, and cut my hands over my, my nose and my mouth. Sometimes I'll put a drop of an essential oil in there. It can be a, a tree oil, like a frankincense or a cypress or a spruce. It could be more uplifting, like a citrus, whatever, you know, whatever works for people's body chemistries. And so, by the way, if you are interested in essential oils or have questions on that, I offer a free wellness consultation to answer questions on, you know, what, which essential oils work for you, how, you know, what's best for you and your family and your wellness, safety and usage tips on that too. Mm -hmm. And so cupping my hand over my mouth and just taking that moment to just bring my attention, that my mental focus back up into my mind. It just oxygenates the body for inhaling for four seconds. One, two, three, and four, and it brings the attention to you. Four, just exhaling through the mouth, three, two, and one. And you want to inhale through the nose, slowly, and then exhale through the mouth. 
is the, I think the healthiest way to, to breathe your body. You want to do that. Got it. And then for, for sleep, I get a lot of clients who come to me with help for sleep. You know, just, they, they may be more elderly people who are, you know, going through hormonal things, maybe teens, they may just have a lot going on in life or maybe health issues where they can't sleep very well, or they can't rest well, or they have, you know, little ones and they have no, no time to really rest much at all in life. And so creating the practice of laying down in bed, I think I, I work with parents on a bedtime routine of, you know, dimming the lights and, you know, creating that sense of a calm for you, but just laying down and kind of placing your hands on the bed just to ground yourself, placing your uh, palms face down on the bed and inhaling for four seconds really shortly, holding that for up to seven seconds and then exhaling for eight seconds. Well, when you do that for a round of four and you can modify that based on your breath, you know, your lung capacity and everything like that too, but just that rhythm helps you to create a really good rhythm for deeper sleep and longer sleep as well. And so working through that, I think just having that really short practice at night has helped a lot of clients to just, you know, feel more rested and recharged as well too. And so you can do that with music and, you know, you can try that with your child as well too, but just having that nice rhythm to breathe really helps. Right. Those are three wonderful new techniques to throw into the the bag of tools that could be really yeah. helpful for all of us, yeah. especially when it comes to emotional regulation and times when our emotional regulation or our child's emotional regulation might be not yeah. at its most regulated. <laughs> yeah, that's really helpful. I really appreciate you sharing those tips and yeah. tools with us, Aparna. So we're wrapping up towards the end of our interview, and I yeah. always love to end asking my guests to share something they love to do in their family to connect with one another. I talk about connection a lot mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. my work with clients, and so I love hearing from different people either something that you remember from your childhood or something currently that helps you feel really connected to your family or with yourself, what, what do you want to share with us? Yeah. So growing up, we, we are a family that did a lot of vacations in life and we, we loved doing a lot of nature hikes as well. When we could, we, we lived in the mountains in West Virginia at that time, and usually here on the East coast as well. And so we would explore nature and go for a lot of walks together when we could, I think just to get out of the house, you know, as having a more of a chaotic childhood, I think that was just a, we, we love having homes where we have big windows and we can see nature around us, or we'd get, you know, we'd have deer sometimes, or we'd see neighbors as well. And we like to have a patio where we can enjoy sitting outside too. I will say that right now indoors we as a family love cooking together we make a lot of indian food my mom has always loved cooking in some, in some some sense so we we gained a lot of skills my family and i we love to cook together for holidays or weekends or have like you know like a lasagna night or a pizza night 
and throw on now with technology we'll throw on like youtube on the tv or a playlist or like you know we have christmas we had like christmas music with the holidays like michael Bublé and and elvis and all sorts of fun holiday songs but that's helped to shift our mood a lot too it's having music on while we cook it's a very present thing we're not you know looking at our phones we're just creating and enjoying and that's just been a beautiful blessing to be able to do with them wow that's wonderful i love it you you through so many of my favorite things from nature, connecting in nature mm-hmm. to yeah. food and cooking and then music. That's my family's sweet spot, yeah. connecting through yeah. music. Thank you for sharing that with us, Aparna. So how can parents, listeners find out about working with you and receive support from you, follow you? Tell us about where they can find out more about your work. Yeah, so my website is beautyinparenting.com. And I've got a free self-care and priorities chart there that you can download. And we'll show the link uh, to that chart too. Scheduling more me time until I celebrate more and more family wins uh, in that chart. I've got uh, my six-week para-coaching program right now where we can work together on what's going on to help you with, you know, creating a self-care plan or calm corner or communicating effectively and creating an easy daily routine. Is a, is a really wonderful one that I specialize in. Um, I've got a free Facebook group called the Century Self-Care Space where I share daily self-care inspiration. And sometimes we do, you know, holiday challenges of how we can have more me time. And you can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, threads, beauty in parenting as well too. And I love hearing from others and getting sweet messages and just, just connecting with you and getting to know you and your family. Wonderful. I'll be sure to include all of the links that you just mentioned in the show notes that go along with this episode. Aparna, thank you so much. You are my first guest of season two of the 3D Parent Podcast. I really appreciate you coming and sharing with my audience all about the wonderful world of self-regulation through mindfulness practices. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you for joining me on this episode of the 3D Parent Podcast. I hope our conversation has inspired your journey towards building deeper connections with your children and strengthened your resolve to match your parenting intentions with your words and actions. If today's insights resonated with you, the greatest thank you I could receive would be for you to subscribe, rate, leave a review, and share my podcast with others. And for those of you seeking more support with your parenting, consider joining the 3D Parent Village, a nurturing membership community designed for families raising complex kids like yours. Inside the village, connect with like-minded parents, find relief from isolation and overwhelm, and gain access to educational resources, group coaching, and personalized support, all rooted in the transformative 3D Parent approach. They say it takes a village to raise a child. Never was that sentiment more true than when parenting a complex child. So come join us at the 3D Parent Village. We've saved a spot for you.